0: What's going on? Every Monday, Pete Callender here, the Pete Callender Show, appropriately named. Thanks for hanging out with me. I do appreciate it. Thanks for letting me hang out with you. 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, those are the numbers if you'd like to participate uh, in the program. So uh, Hurricane Ida ripped through Louisiana. Uh, death toll, as far as I can tell right now, one is one person dead. Power has been knocked out. Cell phone service is knocked out, and as you just heard on the news from Mark Garrison, it's really hot, really humid, so it's just nasty. Uh, The uh, uh, rescue and uh, search efforts underway and uh, the Colonial Pipeline that supplies the the fuel for our area, uh, they expect that to be turned back on. They have lots of reserves, so please, people, do not go run out and You know, suck down all the gasoline. So we have like massive shortages for the next week. It's going to be back on later today. They're just assessing the damage and stuff. Um, So we'll keep you posted on any new developments out of that. They're getting reports of people who, uh, the rescuers uh, that climbed into their attics or climbed onto the roofs. And uh, so they're going around rescuing people. And so this is always. Just I, I bring this story to you, just like we were talking about the flooding and in Western North Carolina last week, you should always be prepared to be on your own for the first 48 hours. If you go to the FEMA website, not, all right look, just by going to the website, does not put you on a list, okay? Well that I know of, I've been there, although I probably am on the list, but it doesn't matter. So go to the FEMA website and you can actually download their preparedness manual. And like, if you didn't know any better, you would think it's some sort of preppers guide (laughs) because the stuff that they tell you to have is basically what all preppers have. So you want to be prepared and you got to expect that in the first 48 hours that government is not going to come rescue you. Okay. Um, now that's not to say that in all cases there aren't search and rescue teams that are able to get to you like that could happen but you should be ready with at least two days. Now, the FEMA folks, they recommend like a week, I believe. So you should have a, you know, a 48-hour prep supply always. And by the way, this is not like crazy talk. Oh, there's Pete the Prepper. You know, like, this isn't crazy talk. This is, as I mentioned, FEMA. But also, this is what our grandparents and great-grandparents, like, everybody understood this. I remember talking to, uh, <clears throat> there were this uh, these two women owned a, uh, a tea shop out in Western North Carolina years ago. And uh, I spoke with them um, about their sort of what they were turning their tea shop into this sort of like dual kind of business idea where they sold these prepper kits basically. And what they didn't call them prepper kits, but that's what it was because one woman was from Lebanon and grew up during the eighties and remembered how quickly everything just crashed. And The other uh, woman who owned the store with her, they were partners. She was from Norway, I believe, or maybe Denmark. But she remembered the stories her parents told of World War II. And so they always had, you know, canned food, vegetables and stuff. They always had supplies because they had lived through, they had personal experiences living through uh, food shortages. So if you take nothing else from all of these uh, the, every hurricane season, it's to, you know, build your prep stash, build your supply. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, I'm not and look, I've got a prep supply. It's only, okay. Well, I mean, it may be like half a year. No, I'm kidding. It's not half a year. What are you giving me? What is this? I already have this. Thank you. That's producer Ryan producering. So I have my own copy of it right here. So I'll tell you what it says. What he handed me was, the copy for. Um, the big fun, uh, a fun drive, but the, uh, blood drive. I'm a donor, by the way, I'm actually twice as good of a donor as everybody else. Ooh, I am. I, I donate. Over here. I am. I'm a big donor of the blood actually of the platelets. I do the double platelet. And because I have blood, a lot of people can use, which makes sense. I'm a giver. So, uh, it's pediatric cancer awareness month. September is, and, um, So you want to mark your calendar. We're doing the second annual WBT Little Heroes Blood Drive. Thursday, September 30th, the One Blood Big Red Bus. You've seen this thing, right? It's going to be at the Community Matters Cafe from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. So it's a five-hour window. And uh, I am going to probably, that means so 10 a.m., I'm going to have to head on down there before the show. And so I'll do do the double donation probably and then... Like, just drink a sip of beer on air, and then just be... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That would be really good radio, that <laughs> Yeah, day. exactly. So, head on down, so you could do the blood, and, and the platelets is where they send the... They take your blood, they spin them through the centrifuge, and then it draws out the platelets, which is really what they want, and then they could do so much more with the platelets, but they can also take twice as much, so then they mix it in with, I think, like a saline solution kind of a deal, and they put the they put stuff back into your body and then they do another round and take the platelets out again. So they get twice as much out of me. And um, while you're there, stop into the community matters cafe, grab a bite to eat, a cup of coffee, whatever. Like I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm just saying they got some food and drinks there. And by going there, you support the, the work of the Charlotte rescue mission because that's their community matters cafe. And these are people that are, You know, getting help, getting better. So you can help them. So it's like a twofer. It's a twofer. You can donate blood, save lives, and support the Charlotte Rescue Mission. It's all at the second annual WBT Little Heroes Blood Drive Thursday, September 30th. So a month from now, Thursday, September 30th, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to WBT.com forward slash events for all of the details and directions. Now we're about to get started. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So thank you also to Brett Winterbull on Friday for filling in for me. I was not able to be here. Uh, We were moving. We were packing up the the house that we literally just bought in Asheville, packing that up and uh, moved it all down into Charlotte over the weekend. Uh, And Brett, he thought he had a day and a half off, or he thought he had a half shift on Friday. At the beginning of the week, he's probably looking at that saying, oh, the Panthers are playing. So he's got half a show. And then I was like, I need to move on Friday. And then he really oh, he was very nice. And he was like, I will do the I'll do Pete show and the hour and a half of his show. So he ended up with a full show plus one and a half. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so. But he was very nice about it. I really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, like, I'm not sure I would have done, no, I'm kidding, but, uh, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. He's, he was very, he was very nice to do that for me. I appreciate that. And, um, over, so I, I've been following stuff over the weekend, you know, while I could, um, the developments out of Afghanistan, I saw, and we're going to get into this, the drone strike. I've got some audio here as well from state Senator Jeff Jackson, who was on the morning show with Bo Thompson and good grief. I mean, I knew he was kind of insufferable, but God, oh, the smarm. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, also, uh, development about the uh, uh, Sherry Beasley, one of his opponents in the Democratic primary. Uh, we've got her comments as well, some audio from her. We'll get to all of that, hopefully. Um, but first, uh, we've got now the the names of the fallen uh, Marine Corps and uh, Army, and I think there's one Navy service member. Uh, so I want to give the uh, give you some details about all of them uh, because the attack outside of the airport on Thursday left eleven Marines, one Army soldier, right, one Navy corpsman dead. It injured twenty other service members, and I think the the casualty count among afghan civilians is somewhere around 200 the isis k terror group claimed responsibility for the suicide bombing trying to disrupt the massive evacuation effort of americans afghan allies and third party nationals outside the us held airport now, like i want to say like part of me hopes and this is i guess probably a bit naive but part of me just hopes, I have to hope, but I have a bit of a tragic outlook on life. So I, it's not a great amount of hope, but I do. I want to hope that, um, that people see, people around the world see the images of what ISIS and the Taliban are about, and they see, juxtaposed to those images, the Western world trying to get people out, trying to save people, trying to save lives. I know. Uh, this is what I hope. I hope, like, for example, there was Sergeant Nicole Gee, or G. I don't know how, how she pronounced it. it uh, she was 23. She was from California. And um, right before, the day before, I think it was the bombing, uh, she had been on Instagram, and there was a picture taken of her by one of her fellow Marines, and it's a picture of her holding an infant, a baby. And she posted this picture, and there was a couple of uh, Marines that were standing there, and there were, uh, two of them were holding babies, and, um, and she said, I love my job. And another photo showed her standing guard as a group of evacuees loaded onto a military plane on their way To safety. I want to believe that these images move more people towards that end of the spectrum than the other. When presented with the stark images, some people are trying to save lives and some people are not. And I hope that that matters. I gotta hope that that matters. Staff Sergeant Darren Hoover, 31 years old, he was a Marine from Utah. Um sergeant Joanny jo Rosario Pichardo. She was a Marine from Massachusetts. She went by Rosario for short. Car- uh, Corporal Hunter Lopez, twenty two years old, a Marine from California. Corporal Dagan Page, twenty-three, a Marine from Nebraska. Corporal Humberto A. Sanchez. U.S. Marine from Indiana, he was 22. Lance Corporal David Espinoza, he was a 20 year old Marine from Texas. Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz, 20 year old Marine from Missouri. Lance Corporal Riley McCollum, 20 year old Marine from Wyoming. Lance Corporal Dylan Marola, 20 year old Marine from California. Lance Corporal Kareem Nakui, 20 year old U.S. Marine from California. Navy hospital corpsman Max Soviak. He was a uh, Navy corpsman from Ohio. He was 22. And staff sergeant Ryan Naus 23 years old U.S. Army soldier from Tennessee. Meanwhile, as many as five rockets got fired at the airport Monday local time, according to a U.S. official speaking to CNN. They've got a the C-RAM defense system, which is designed to protect ground forces against rockets and mortars and artillery. And so that's been installed at the airport. They engaged with those rockets, so there were no reports of any casualties at this time. That's some good news. Uh, meanwhile, the, um, the remains of the, uh, the Marines and the soldier and uh, corpsmen who were returned to America were met. In a, in a private ceremony, uh, the remains of 13 American service members killed in the Kabul airport bomb attack arrived Sunday morning to Dover Air Force Base in Delaware. President Biden was in attendance, along with the Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley, among many others. Uh, so we'll have more updates uh, on Afghanistan, uh, but also a report that the White House had declined a Taliban offer to have U.S. troops control Kabul during the evacuation. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Pete Callender here. The Pete Callender Show, 704 570 1110 1-800-WBT-1110. Did you see the story or the picture, I guess? There's a, a clip, a video, a picture of Joe Biden at the... Uh, the service where the uh, the fallen military service members where their bodies were brought back to uh dover and he was there and uh there's a there's a picture of him there's a clip of him looking down at his watch which you don't do you just don't do it i you know, i don't even know. How long it's been since I've even worn a watch. It's and I'm sure it's a habit. And I saw um, a political consultant make a mention, something along the lines of when he used to work. He's a former consultant. He said when he used to advise politicians at any kind of an event with the public, he would say, give me your watch. He would take it from them before they would go out there because if you have it on, you're going to check it. It happens, especially if it's – I have a friend, he's got one of those um, – what do they call it? The uh, handcuffs. Yeah, the Apple handcuff, I think is what it's called. That's the one that shocks you, I think, if you if you don't check the message. If, it, if you don't look at it, it, like, has a retinal scan, and it looks into your face, and it knows if you're looking. And if you don't look at it within three seconds – It zaps you. This is as best as I can determine because otherwise, like why would you want to check your messages and email and every other alert that you've got like that often? Who wants to do that? What kind of a life is that to be constantly looking? It's I know it's Pavlovian. It really is. It's like ding, ding. Oh, got to look ding, ding. Got to look. And if you got one of those things, I mean, you're it's hopeless. So take the watch off when you're going to a memorial or a debate, because remember, Biden, I think it was, no, no, it wasn't Biden. Who was it? George H.W. Bush that looked at his watch during a debate, something like that? And, you know, outrage ensued. He was too bored to be, you know, at this event. It's just not a good look. And uh, so that's, that's out there. That story is out there. Again, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say it was, it was just habit, but it's just not something that the president should do at that event. Um, Meanwhile, the United States says a secondary explosion after a strike against an ISIS-K threat may have caused civilian casualties. So there was a U.S. airstrike. This is sort of the continuation of the Obama foreign policy, which is to drone strike from above. And honestly, this is really what I think most Americans are comfortable with. As far as waging a war. This is what I think most Americans are more comfortable with to have drones flying over foreign countries and blowing up bad people assuming of course that you only blow up bad people which of course doesn't happen during war because war is the breakdown of society and law right that's what I mean that, that's the whole point of war you're going out killing and destroying stuff you're not allowed to do that if if there's not a war so Uh, The U.S. military acknowledged last night that there are reports of civilian casualties following a U.S. airstrike against a vehicle in Kabul deemed to be, quote, an imminent ISIS-K threat. A spokesperson for U.S. Central Command said, quote, powerful subsequent explosions resulting from the destruction of the vehicle, indicating a large amount of explosive material inside that may have caused additional casualties. And uh, that means dead and wounded, remember. We are aware of reports of civilian casualties following our strike on a vehicle in Kabul. According to Captain Bill Urban, a spokesperson for CENTCOM, we would be deeply saddened by any potential loss of innocent life. U.S. CENTCOM originally said that there were no indications of civilian casualties. CNN reported that uh, multiple members from a family, nine members of one family, they say were killed, including children in the strike. Um, that according to a relative of those who were killed. So we don't know right now. As far as I can tell, I've not seen an update to this. We don't know. CENTCOM says they blew up a vehicle that was loaded with explosives that caused a massive explosion, and that killed a bunch of people. So did they take out? There were like two cars. They were, I think, I don't doesn't matter. It's like a Camry and an Accord or something like that. And uh, they they blew up a car. It was filled with explosives. Was it? Was it not? We shall find out. Now, of course, you know, the, the ISIS and Taliban, like they're going to use this to whatever advantage. Enemies will use this to any advantage because they know that while Americans are more comfortable probably with the drone strike technique, they're not comfortable with drone strikes that kill children and women and innocent civilians, as most humans Agree, you should not be killing innocent people, right? We all agree. Let's not kill innocent people. Well, not, I mean, obviously, there are some, you know, crazy people, there are evil people that don't agree with that, but most people around the world agree with the premise here. You don't kill innocent people, women and children, or men for that matter, but innocent civilians, you don't blow them up on purpose. But they also know that if you raise a huge stink about the blowing up, inadvertent as it might have been, the blowing up of innocent people, if you make it a very big deal, then it dissuades Americans from endorsing that kind of policy too. And when Americans abandon that, then I'm not really sure what else we've got in our arsenal to fight the war on terrorism, right? If you're not going to put the boots on the ground and you're not going to do the drone striking, then I'm not sure what's left, right? There's not a lot left. Meanwhile, the French president, Macron, he says, I cannot guarantee the rescue of Afghans that are still in Kabul. Will we be able to do it? He says they're going to try. He says with our partners and also through negotiations with the Taliban, we're going to try to uh, get them, get the Taliban to allow uh, these Afghans to leave, which honestly, if I'm the Taliban, I'm saying bye, like, take it easy. See you later. Just leave. Because honestly, wouldn't it be much easier to run your theocratic state when you don't have people undermining your theocracy? It just seems like a no-brainer to me. Newstalk 1110-993-WBT, 1-800-WBT-1110. Let me go to the phone lines here and get Vincent. Hello, Vincent. How are you?
1: Hey, good afternoon, Pete. Good to hear you. You sound good in my woodworking
0: shop here. Well, thanks. I do my best work in other people's shops like that.
1: <laughs> hey, anyway, you know, uh, Biden was looking down at that watch in case it slipped off his wrist. You know, after all, he, he's got uh, a few Rolexes. You know, it kind of strikes me that, uh, you know, he really did earn them. They were gifts and stuff like that. You know, but about 18 years ago, Pete, I bought my first Rolex. Oh, and I start. It was used. It was a. It was a date. Just. It was a Jubilee band, two tone, fourteen carat gold, single pull. But it was a Rolex. Yeah, and I earned it. And what a phony he is wearing a Rolex because he never punched a time clock in his life. (laughs) He calls himself blue collar.
0: Yeah, lunch pail Joe. He's. Well, I'm not even going to go there. Have well, but so that? hang on a 2nd I'm intrigued now on the theory cuz I've never Well, I take it back. I the closest I have been to a Rolex was a guy on a corner in New York City trying to sell me one, and when I looked really really closely at it, there were two X's, like <laughs> right like almost right on top of each other. So if you look really closely, you could see it said R O L E X X. So it's not it wasn't a real Rolex, but that's the closest I've ever gotten to one. So you sound like you 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 know because well, like you gave a lot of details there. But is the deal with Rolex is that you only get the Rolex if you worked a, a, a like you said you punched the time clock? Is that it?
1: You earn it from your from your your resources, your gifts that God gave you. You you, do, you treat yourself with the finer things in life. You know, I still drive a secondhand car. Right. But you know, when you put that Rolex on, it's nothing like it. Mm. You know, it's just not. Like, and another thing is, if you look at a Rolex, you got to look for the sweep. And there's eight right. movements to the beat of one second. So that Rolex is ticking inside eight times to one second. Mm. For your information out there. No, so and, and you
0: know, so, because I've heard that as well. It's not like a the second hand doesn't like tick right. It's not like a tick 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 tick. It sweeps. That's the and that's usually a telltale sign that it's a fake.
1: It's a sweet, but i tell you what, the Chinese are knocking off the most popular ones, which is the Submariners, the, 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 the Divers' watches, and stuff like that. But, you know, Rolexes, in the world of watches, a lot of these people who collect watches scoff at Rolexes. They're up in the next bracket. Mm. You know, that's the JV in watches. you got to go to $100,000 watches. You know, your football players, they they probably sporting them. Wow. Hey, uh, you know, talking about the Taliban, Yeah, you know, I remember back in 2011, that Chinook helicopter that came down, was shot down in the valley up there in the mountains, that killed uh, that SEAL Team 6 crew. There was 15 members on the SEAL Team 6 that took out Osama bin Laden. And a lot of their parents uh, gave pause to our government why they were so... Silent, and they really didn't put that on CNN. Did you see that when it when that news came out? Yeah,
0: Thir- yeah. Oh, I mean, really? I, I, yeah, I remember this. I remember the the story. Sure.
1: Well, just you know, I just don't. You know, we don't need to be doing any deals with our enemy, the mm-hmm. Taliban. Just you know. Well, this they g- deserve one thing—the middle finger.
0: Well, and I, I, I will. Here's so here's the thing, Vince. I appreciate the call, and I understand the 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 anger. I do, and I and I agree with it. Like there are, th- it's what uh, Kurt Schlichter said. I believe it was uh, Colonel Schlichter. He said, you, you know, three ways that wars end. Right, which is you win, you obliterate your enemy, and you win. You lose, your enemy obliterates you, or you surrender. Right, or there's some sort of negotiated end to it and like that's not a win so there has to be some way out and because as i mentioned earlier with the you know talking about the you know the preferred method of waging war among most americans is the the drone strikes and we hear about it oh that drone strike oh that's terrible and then you know next day it's off the front page of the paper. Meanwhile, the people that you're drone striking, they remember for a very very long time. Right? And that's part of the problem. It's like you're you're helping to feed their recruitment efforts overseas by doing that. Because there isn't any picture of a marine holding an infant and saving people on a tarmac, right? That's the difference. There's not there's not an image to counteract the narrative that the Islamists create and used for recruitment. They get to, hey, look at, you know, they get to say, look at those drone strikes and they, these cowards, they just rain, you know, fury and fire from the air. And we'll take it to them and we'll beat them uh, because, you know, we have God on our side. Like that's, it helps in their recruitment efforts. This is a challenge. And I'm not saying like, I'm not saying this in order to denigrate or say, you know, this is wrong. We should never do this. I'm just pointing out that all of these options are bad in different ways and people make different decisions. But really what it comes down to, and we talked about this last week, which is a a lot of us don't want to accept what it would take to win, quote unquote, a war because it would be terrible. The costs would be terrible and we don't want to put our names on that order. A lot of Americans don't want to put our names on that order. Right. Because there are all sorts of weapons, terrible, terrible things that you can do to wipe out an enemy and everybody within proximity to that person. You can wipe them all out and it would change the course of human history. Again, like and and there may be very few people that are hearing me say this and they're like, yes, we should do that. You know, go nuclear, turn the whole place into sand or into glass, you know, just bomb it all back to uh, the, the Stone Age but if you think through the repercussions of that, then um, like the whole, I mean, like, what do you prompt? Do you prompt a response act from some of the neighbors? Like, this, this is what I mean. There these there there are really terrible ways to wage war to win it, and I don't think America is willing to do that. And so its leaders are not willing to do that. Um, meanwhile, the uh, White House reportedly declined an offer from the Taliban to have the U.S. control Kabul during the evacuation. Washington Post reports, in a hastily arranged in-person meeting, senior U.S. military leaders in Doha um, spoke with Abdul Ghani Baradar, the head of the Taliban's political wing. This is one of those things that always kills me the political wing only in islamist countries do we get this kind of crap reporting this like oh it's the militant wing it's the it's the political wing see these are different parties you get this all the time in the palestinian reporting right with hamas but it's like well you know hamas and its militant wing no it's hamas okay you don't carve out political versus military wings For any other group or country, everybody else is all part of the same leadership management structure. It's only the kid glove euphemism treatment that we give these Islamist organizations. It's not helpful. It's misleading. It's dishonest. Ah, It just just ticks me off, as you can tell. Um, We have a problem, Baradar said, according to the U.S. official. We have two options to deal with it. You, the U.S. military, you take responsibility for securing Kabul, or you have to allow us to do it. Throughout the day, Biden had remained resolute in his decision to withdraw all American troops from Afghanistan. The collapse of the Afghan government had not changed his mind. So his call, they were telling us, hey, you can have Kabul to do your evacuation. And Biden apparently said no.